Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message from our series called Managing Your Inner World, and it explores the things that Jesus said about how to have happiness in life, something everyone wants, but may try to secure in the wrong way or not understand how to attain it at all. The Bible gives us clear direction on how to manage our inner world so that we can experience true happiness in life. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Continuing our series called Managing Your Inner World. And today, uh, the title of the message is called The Grounds for Forgiveness. We're going through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And the Beatitudes are instructions for how we are to live our life. Uh, they're blessed, he keeps, Jesus keeps saying, blessed is blank. Blessed basically translates to happy. So he's saying, happy are you if you do these things, I'm telling you. And he, basically what he's saying is, if you have a bad attitude... You need the Beatitudes. Can we start with some dad jokes this morning? Okay, let's wake us up. If you have a bad attitude, it's time to read the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is the compassionate disposition to forgive an offender. Now, everybody says forgiveness is a good idea. I don't think, you know, you don't meet people who are like, that's terrible. How dare you Christians believe in forgiveness? No, forgiveness is a great idea until you have something to forgive. Then it's not such a great idea anymore. And if we're not careful, our lives will be full of bitterness, anger, vengefulness, and passive withdrawal, and all sorts of things that are mismanaging our inner world. Forgiveness is not just a common action that we are to take part in. It's a lifestyle. It's part of who we are as followers of Jesus. There's a big difference. How many people know there's a big difference between forgiving someone and being a forgiving person? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's a big difference between working yourself up to, okay, I'm going to forgive this person. It might have taken me years to get to that point, but I'll do it. Or an actual lifestyle, being a forgiving person person. And if you're going to follow Jesus, it means you got to have a lifestyle of forgiveness. You have to have a forgiving spirit. If we're going to be like Jesus, this Christians, followers of Christ, people who want to be like Jesus, that means we ought to be forgiving people. That sucks sometimes. <laughs> Luke chapter 17, Jesus says this, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and say, I I repent, you must forgive him. Jesus starts this sentence. He starts this little phrase that he's uh, talking to the disciples on. He says, watch yourselves. Jesus is speaking about what other people do to us, right? Forgiveness is often about uh, external actions, what other people have done to us. And Jesus says, watch yourself. The Christian standard Bible says, be on your guard. That this is something we have to be intentional about because unforgiveness is like a sneaky little attack. Why do we need to watch ourselves? Because unforgiveness is an attack on our inner world and will cause us to mismanage our inner world. It's an attack on the soil of your heart. You ever had an attack on your soil? Come on, dads. Let's, any, any grass dads out there, you really love your grass? Well, I want to talk to you this morning. Uh, or any um, people into plants too. You got to watch your, your, you know, that nasty stuff doesn't happen in the soil of your plants. My wife brought these plants into our house one time and she got the soil from, 
I don't know, she bought this cheap soil. And I guess this cheap soil is, is bad. And, and so she brought this bad soil into our home. And all of a sudden, our house was filled with these little flies. And it, like multiple times, I'd just be sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I would get a fly in my mouth. And we had to deal with the bad soil. We get ants or disease or pine trees that mess with our soil. Anybody ever been mad at a pine tree? Come on, Canadians. Can't stand these things. I had these pine, this pine tree in my front yard, and I really wanted to have nice grass, like the dad beside me. His grass is beautiful, and mine always looked pathetic, you know, right next to his. And what was happening was the pine needles uh, were falling off this big tree in my front yard, and they were turning my grass yellow and then killing a bunch of the grass as well. And so I, even though I would throw seeds down and, and try and get this grass to grow around this tree, this soil was hard and acidic, and it was not good grounds to grow up this grass. And so no matter what happened, it was that what was planted in there, the, the, the roots actually were coming up from this tree as well. So it was this hard, nasty soil. I could not grow this beautiful, luscious green grass that I wanted to grow. And so I had to add to climate change and cut down the tree. Um, terrible person, I admit. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. By it, many become defiled. You know, it's so easy to see an unforgiving spirit in somebody else, isn't it? Yet we often don't notice the one that's been developing in us. Right. And Hebrews says, this isn't just going to cause you trouble. They use the word defiled. That actually defiles you. And you know where roots develop? Under the surface. The seed is planted. And when a seed is planted, it doesn't just spring up first. It starts to grow roots first. Right. So that it has some strength to then grow up these nasty things that happen in our lives. What if we could catch them when the roots were just starting? You know, when summer comes, eventually, it's coming soon. I can feel it. But when summer comes, will you intentionally plant weeds in your backyard? Will you go in your backyard and say, oh, you know what? I just want some weeds to spring up. I just love prancing around through the weeds all summer. No, 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 no. These things they, they come from almost nowhere. They kind of blow in from the wind. And then if we do not manage them, if we do not call the, the, you know, the weed place to come and spray them, then they start to, what do they start to do? They start to spread. This is why we need to be on our guard, that we need to be intentional about this. Have you ever tried to dig into your soil and you hit a root? Roots harden the ground. And we've got to catch these bad attitudes while there's still little roots that we can easily pluck out unforgiveness, if you don't deal with it, if you don't pluck it out while it's still a small root, unforgiveness will have you controlled by your past. Like a dog chasing its tail, always looking at what just happened? What just happened around me? And it's like, no wonder you're not moving forward in life. You're just sitting there focused on the unforgiveness and the bad stuff that's happened to you like a dog chasing its tail. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be controlled by my past. We want God to do a new thing in our lives. You know, every disciple, when they came in encounter with Jesus, Jesus started a new thing in their life. And new things started to happen when they came in, in encounter with Jesus. How many people know that today you can hear and have a fresh word from Jesus and new things will start to happen. New, new directions will take place for your life. So how do you know if you have unforgiveness in your heart? How do we know if we have these, these little roots? How do we know if this stuff is, 
getting down there. Well, we express unforgiveness by wanting someone to feel the same way that they made us feel. What happens is there's an emotional debt that they owe you the pain that they caused you. So they made you feel small. You express it by wanting them to feel small. They made you feel stupid. You want to pay them back by wanting them to feel stupid. They made you feel hurt. You're hurting because of them, so you want them to hurt. We try to make them pay the debt that they owe us. How do we do this? One way I've observed is that we're cold to them. We don't talk to them. We express unforgiveness by passively withdrawing from them. Uh, I don't think I'm going to talk to you anymore. I to keep my distance. Withdrawal is a, is a way to avoid actually forgiving them. We leave the root there and just say, oh, I just, I don't forgive you. I won't water it. I'm just going to leave it there. I, I want to get away from you. And we think if we don't water it, it won't hurt us. The problem is we still have that root in our heart and it's hardening us. So we're, we're passive. We withdraw. Or we try to tarnish their reputation through slander. It's another way we try to get back at them. You think they, they hurt me with their actions or their words. I'm going to hurt them now. It's just another selfish act to try and get your revenge. They defiled you. Now you're going to defile them. People take pleasure in slander. It's like they're making it right, but they aren't. Right? They think that if I just would say enough bad words about them, I'll feel good about myself. The problem is it just digs you deeper and deeper into that hole and it puts that root further down in your heart. Or you wish pain upon them the same way they gave you pain. And you start to feel better when they start to feel bad. This messes you up on the inside. This defiles you. This does not remove the root. It actually pours water onto it. Even though it might make you feel good, it actually makes you a little darker. The feeling that we want revenge must be killed. Remember this, that forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. It's not saying it doesn't hurt. It, 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 it's not saying it didn't happen. It's not like pretending like, oh, they're just this perfect person and everything is fine. You know, it's, it's, it's like sometimes trust can be broken and a boundary needs to be set. It's not minimizing the action. Forgiveness is giving up your right to get even. It's saying, I don't have a right to make, to make them even with me. And isn't it funny how when we kind of go down the trail of unforgiveness, when we allow this to get into our heart, we have a short memory of what we've done wrong, but a really long memory about what has happened to us. I love this quote by Miroslav Volv. I don't even know who he is, but I heard this quote. I just thought it was beautiful. Forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. So as long, as soon as somebody does something bad to you, you start to exaggerate their imperfections. We say, I would never do that, right? We start to isolate them. Oh, I would never act like that. If I was in their shoes, well, you're not in their shoes. And every tiny issue that they have, you start to exaggerate and it becomes a massive issue in your mind. And here's what happens when we do that, when we sort of say, like, we don't treat them as a human anymore. 
And, and we, say, we kind of sit on our high horse and go, oh, I, I just would never act like that. Here's what happens. If you have unforgiveness, you lose self-awareness. So unforgiveness is like wearing sunglasses inside. And you think that something is so dark, but if you would just get that off of your eyes, you'd realize that it's actually, it's actually more light than you realize. Because all you're doing is you're seeing through your root of bitterness. The soil in your heart is hard and you cannot grow something good there. And you think you're so different from the person who's done you wrong, but you're not. Don't exclude yourself from the community of sinners. You have to think about your similarities. I can preach this with conviction because it's my weakness, guys. You have to think about your similarities. This helps us work through the offense. When you include them in the community of sinners, include yourself too. Just put yourself right alongside with them. So when you think they're stupid, you can think, so am I. <laughs> when you think they hurt me, you can also think, well, I hurt people too. They gossiped. I gossip too. This will help you move away from the idea that they somehow owe you something because you'll realize that you owe a lot of people stuff too. And this makes them human again. And so what does forgiveness do? Well, forgiveness is you removing somebody else's debt and paying for it yourself. You have to pay the debt yourself. Jesus often paralleled forgiveness with currency, kind of like how we see financial debt. So if somebody, let's say Adam here, Adam, if you owe me $100, okay, I've lent you $100, and uh, I, I lend it to you, and whatever, you, you're having a hard time paying it back, I could say to you, you know what, I, I forgive that $100 debt. I'm not going to make you pay it. That $100 doesn't just vanish out of nowhere. It's still a currency. It's still something that happened. What happens is, I am out $100, but I forgive him. I release him of that, right? It's not that it's just like it magically goes away. Somebody still has to pay for it. And money has to come from somewhere. They owe you something, but you can decide to forgive it and let it go. And this softens the soil of our heart. It helps us remove these nasty roots. When someone has done you wrong, I think I said done you wrong. So I need a drink of water. Done you wrong. You guys didn't notice it, luckily. Okay. Jesus paid the debt. Sorry, when someone has done you wrong, you can try to make them pay or you can pay it back yourself. Jesus paid the debt for you and now you can pay it for someone else. He laid it out pretty clear in Luke chapter six says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. He's like, Here, this is a negative thing. Let's replace it with a positive thing. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. He keeps, he keeps saying like, you gotta pay for it in these different ways. The one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. From one who takes, do not withhold. There's a consistent debt being built up and Jesus is instructing us to pay for it. But loving your neighbor doesn't mean you have to feel fond of them, okay? He's not, he's not saying like, 
oh, like, let's have this, like, fake love where we're just going to, like, you know, run around and just love each other, and it's going to be great, and we're just going to be best friends again. Okay, this is not the movie Step Brothers, all right? You don't have to force yourselves to be best friends. Loving your enemy doesn't, think you, doesn't mean you think they are nice, necessarily. Jesus is just saying forgiveness costs you something. You don't have to be besties, but you have to let them go, and that's going to cost you something. Forgiveness is you paying the debt for someone else. See, our forgiveness, the forgiveness of our sins, costs Jesus something. And when you forgive someone, it costs you something. So what am I talking about? How does it cost us something? Well, when you want to hurt them, you don't. That's painful. Because hurting them would feel good. It costs you something. When you want to be angry with them, you don't. Again, that hurts. It's, it's pain. When you want to slander them, you don't. And this actually, it, it will hurt us. I know we'd like to think like, oh, I'm just this nice person and everything's all good. I just love everybody. No, I know that we're not like that. Well, at least I'm not. So at least I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> Every time you choose to pay for it, it hurts a little bit. Because forgiveness costs you something. But guess what? It also sets you free. And as you do this, you are refusing to put logs on the fire that's burning in your heart. There's a, this, this angry fire that gets in us when someone has offended us or hurted us or, or hurted, <laughs> hurt us. You can tell I homeschooled a little bit. Um, but when someone has hurt us, when we're angry with somebody, there ends up being like this fire burning inside of us. And every time we slander them, every time we dwell on it, every time we really dig into that anger, we're throwing logs on that fire and it grows on the inside of us. When we forgive, we're saying, I refuse to put a log on that fire and this costs me something. It doesn't feel good. And what happens is the fire will slowly burn out. You're paying that debt yourself. If you're struggling with happiness, maybe it's because you keep stoking the fire of unforgiveness in your heart. But Jesus said, you will be happy when you show mercy. That's his promise in the Beatitudes. You'll be happy when you show mercy. You might be a little bit miserable because you're running around trying to get people to pay the debt that they owe you. That's exhausting. Jesus tells us, to pay the debt ourselves. Every time you want to make them pay, pay it yourself. And you have to pay the debt yourself before you actually rebuke them. Like, what, is, what does rebuke even, even mean? And, and it's kind of like before you hold them accountable. You know, it's not that we're going to go, hey, you're a horrible person. But people need to be held accountable for these things sometimes. It's okay to let them know that they screwed up. In fact, the Bible tells us to. So this is, this is what healthy, this is how healthy relationships are developed is that we don't keep things to ourselves and just go, oh, these people are, I'll tell everybody else. But you actually go to them and say, hey, you messed up. And I care about having a healthy relationship with you in the future. That's why I'm bringing this to you. And it can be a little bit confusing, Luke chapter 17. It says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So we, we can almost pin the two against each other and say, well, I'm not gonna forgive unless, I, unless they like, take my rebuke and unless they repent. But why do we, we have to look at why do we rebuke? We rebuke to repair the relationship. 
Why do we rebuke? We rebuke to make both parties better. So you cannot go into a rebuke in a good way unless you pay the price first. And that order, like, it, it was confusing me a little bit when I read it. But we have to look at this through the lens that Luke wrote his gospel. Uh, let's say, we're going to read Mark here. Luke wrote his gospel 15 years after Mark. So he would have known what Mark had written. And what, what did Mark say in, in uh, Mark chapter eleven twenty five? 25? says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins also. So th that's what Jesus said in in Mark chapter 11. So the, the order there is, it's a little bit confusing, but when Luke wrote his account, he would have known that Jesus had said that as well. And it, I, I like the parallel, the harmony of this, the, the parallel verse is what I meant to say. In Matthew chapter 18, he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. So Matthew's sort of um, how Matthew accounts it is he's sort of giving us a, a model or a formula for the rebuke. Because sometimes we hear the word rebuke and we're like, let's get him! And it's, it's like this angry thing. But Matthew gives us a really good formula. Of, okay, okay, this is how we have healthy relationships and this is how we work through things. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Let's do this privately. There's no reason that we need to do this over social media or come up on stage after church or, or, or whatever. Like, we're not gonna live stream this. We're gonna privately deal with this thing. Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And thank God that over the years, people have done this for me as I lead in church because it's given me opportunities to be a better person and a better leader. That if, if there wasn't biblical people in our church that, that have come to me and said, hey, uh, you know, you kind of messed this up and we need to deal with this. Man, thank God that uh, we have people in our church that read the Bible and get this thing straight. But anyways, um, if they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along. Again, he's saying, keep it private. Let's go and let's talk through this thing so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So he's saying, let's build accountability. Let's not let's build an army, okay? Not let's gossip and slander and get a bunch of people against this person. Let's just build some accountability in here. Let's talk through this thing. Um, and if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to even the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Wow. Pretty heavy language, um, especially considering Jesus would hang out with tax collectors and, and pe pagans, but the, the people back then wouldn't. So what they're saying is that if somebody still won't believe, still won't you know, reconcile that thing, it's okay to say, okay, I've brought this to you. I'm not gonna passively withdraw from you, but I brought this to you. You're prideful about it, and it's okay to actually separate yourself a little bit. Why? Because you want what's best for them and for you. We, we're trying to reconcile the situation, and it's not that we're putting a block to the end of our relationship forever. He's clearly stating that we want to get better. We want this relationship to be reconciled. We're going to do everything for that, and sometimes that means we have to separate ourselves. Which, I don't know, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but this is, what the, this is the, what the Bible is instructing us to do. And when you go to rebuke, you gotta have your heart right because if you don't, you will come at them so aggressively. Anybody ever try to rebuke somebody that you don't forgive? You come in blazing hot, hands shaking, sweating. <laughs> You're angry. You say hurtful things because you are hurt. You have to pay the debt yourself before you reconcile. The goal must be we're gonna repair the relationship. If you don't want your enemies to control you, you must forgive them. 
And if you don't want the past to control you, you gotta pay for it yourself. If you wanna have a heart, if you don't wanna have a heart full of hurt, bitterness, anger, vengeance, you must forgive. This is how we ensure we have good soil in our hearts. And last thing I just wanna say, true forgiveness is seeking the highest good for the person who's done you wrong. That we get to a place in our hearts and in our minds that we genuinely believe and feel, I want the absolute best for that person. That that's what our words would reflect. That's what our actions would reflect. That we would just seek that absolute highest good for them. And what happens is it sets you free from their hold on your heart. So you can pay them back. Sorry, you, yeah, you can pay them back or you can pay for them. When you pay for them, it sets you free. I just want to pause for a moment before we close the service because I've seen just over the years um, in the church, we talk about some, you know, we can get into some heavy stuff sometimes. And um, sometimes, like, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about today is, is, is little things in relationships and, you know, stupid, silly little things people done you wrong and, and kind of messes us up. But what happens if somebody has done something illegal and absolutely nasty to us? What happens then? Because a lot of times I think we can get a little bit messed up about it and think, I just got to forgive them and them being held accountable for it, it means I don't forgive them. That's not true. You can forgive and if you want the best for them, that means that they need to be held accountable so that they change in their future. And so I just want to talk to that, even though it's going to be a little bit sensitive. I think sometimes as Christians, we can get this wrong and get our thinking messed up. We think forgiveness means they're not being held accountable because... But just because I'm giving up my right to get even doesn't mean someone shouldn't be held accountable for their illegal or abusive behavior. When it comes to abuse, the highest good for them might be that somebody finally holds them accountable so that this pattern stops for other people and for them as well. I've heard people talk about they don't want to go to the police about certain situations because they forgive the abuser. Well, that's great that you forgive. That's what you need to do, but they need to be held accountable. It's not about you getting your justice. It's about accountability for the future of them and those around. And after Jesus sort of explains all this forgiveness stuff in, in Luke 17, the first thing the disciples say back to him is, increase our faith. So as he explains it to them, they, they right, right back at him, they say, Jesus, we need bigger faith to do what you're saying. How many people are feeling that today? <laughs> God, make me a bigger person. In order to have experience, sorry, a spirit of forgiveness, we need God to make us a bigger person. In Luke chapter seven, Jesus has supper with a Pharisee who's annoyed that a prostitute is washing his feet. And Jesus says to this, um, sorry, to this Pharisee, he says, he who has forgiven, has been forgiven much, loves much. You won't be able to pay for other people's debts until you realize how much yours have been paid for. Can I just suggest that there's a little Pharisee in all of us? And the longer we know Jesus, the more important it is for us to come back and realize how much he really does pay for our sins every day. Or else a little Pharisee gets in our hearts. Another bad root that can mess with us.
If we're gonna manage our inner world, we must increase our faith and remember how much we've been forgiven. And I love this in Luke chapter eight, Jesus before he even, uh, separate from the whole Hebrews thing about roots. This is a totally separate verse. He says, some, some good seed, this person's throwing out seed and they're trying to get some good things out of it. And some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. It's kind of what we were talking about today. But some fell on good soil and it yielded a hundredfold. How many people wanna have good soil in their hearts today? Come on, that, that, we would, that we would produce. There is so much nastiness in the world. I just think from the church, we're gonna have people that have good soil in their hearts this year, that they're, they're going out there and they're producing goodness. And everywhere you go, you'll see the love, people will see the love of God through you. I, I just wanna encourage you today that if we get our, our soil right in our heart, imagine what we could do for God. Somebody said to me this week, they said, you know, um, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I just recently saw I've been a Christian my whole life, 40 years old. I just recently saw the first person I've ever seen come to Jesus in their adult life. I didn't know people actually did it. Like they were surprised that people actually turned their lives over to Jesus. Hey, can we get our, our, the soil of our hearts right so that we can get back to what it says in, in, in the Bible that we would be out and, and bringing the lost sheep to him? Yeah. Man, if we would get, and I'm not blaming this person or saying anything like that, I'm just saying that that should increase our faith, that people come to Jesus and we wanna be a part of that. So it's so important that we get our lives right and we get all this nastiness out so that when we have this good soil that will produce this great crop that yields a hundredfold. Hey, could you stand with me today? Thank you for um, just the way you leaned in in this service. I just believe that that God's gonna bless you through this. And I, I know that, hey, I've gone through life as I was writing this sermon. It was just, there was times where I just pull up roots of bitterness. And I know that that's a, a daily thing we have to do. We don't just for, forgive one time and hey, after that, everything's all good. The soil's perfect. No, we have to continue to manage that and make sure we don't get that stuff in our hearts. And I just was feeling that, um, that maybe some people would need uh, a moment just to really release some people uh, this morning. And so I just quickly wrote this declaration. At our freedom conferences, we always do these declarations where we just are full of faith and we say, God, do this, God, do that, and it's beautiful. But I, I just thought we could maybe do one of those this morning and that we would just ask God to come and, and just with open hands and open hearts, ask him to help us pull out that root of bitterness this morning. Can we do that? If you want to, is that okay? All right. Let's go ahead and repeat after me and then we're just gonna have a moment together where uh, after we do this declaration, I'll just allow there to be some awkward silence and you just have a moment with you and God and, and then we'll close the service. So repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus today, I today I choose to be like you. To be like you. I, want good soil I want good soil so that my life, that my life will produce good things. Will produce good things. Today, I decide today I decide to pay the debt, pay the debt. just like you paid my debt. Forgive me, Forgive me for making people pay their debt. Pay their debt. Today, I them Today I release them from the prison in my heart. In my heart. Today, I Today I choose freedom. Today I choose Jesus.
I believe there's uh, someone here who's, maybe a bunch of people here who um, you've, you're just feeling like God is, um, I guess for lack of better words, gray. Like you feel like he's, um, you know he's there, you believe the Bible, but you just, even today, you know, you're seeing people around you having an experience and you're just feeling like, okay, God, still nothing. You know, I'm here, I showed up at church, I'm faithful, I give, I serve, I'm still feeling nothing. I just wanna encourage you today that God can uh, allow us to go through seasons like that and he can actually, um, he'll actually wait. He's, he's so patient that he'll wait while, while he sort of meets us in that gray space. And often it's not um, how we expect him to. We just want him to speak and we want it to be easy, but it, he actually allows us to struggle and get frustrated sometimes because that's how he's trying to do something powerful in you. And you want God to like speak and you want it to be this beautiful moment and you thought like the Holy Spirit was gonna do something right now and you're just feeling the, the, the word I'm getting is gray. It's just like still nothing. Hey, can I just encourage you, be faithful. Keep coming back. Keep reading that word. Keep listening to, to music that lifts your soul and um, just know that God is faithful and that uh, he wants to meet you in that gray space and that, uh, yeah, I just, I just feel like there's somebody here going through that. I, I wanna pray just before we close this service uh, for anyone who needs to make the decision, um, like I talked about earlier, that it's time to come back to Jesus. People say convert. Um, it's, not, it's not a conversion. You're coming back. And, and so uh, this is what you were meant for, is to have a relationship with your heavenly father. And he sent his son to die for your sin. And Romans 10, 9 said, all you gotta do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart today, and it's time to come back to what you were made to do, just serve and, and, and live for Jesus. And so I just ask everybody who um, calls Celebration Church home to repeat this prayer after me, as you repeat it, to ask Jesus to come and to live inside of you. What you're doing right now is you're asking the person of the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. You'll receive the person of the Holy Spirit right now at salvation, at, the, at this prayer, when you, you make this decision. And, and, and what that does is, is it allows the Spirit of God to live inside of you from now on. And so it's not this, he's not this separate spirit anymore. He, he lives inside of you. And we're gonna pray this prayer with you together. This is a powerful moment between you and God, people in the room and people online. Just repeat after me as, as people make this important decision. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you are Lord and God raised you from the dead. From now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together. People's lives are changed today. Thanks for listening to our message today from our series, Managing Your Inner World. If you're wanting to know more about Celebration Church or if you would like to partner with us financially, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com. You can follow us on our Instagram and our Facebook at Celebration EDM to connect with us. Join us next week to hear another great message from our series, Managing Your Inner World.